0: Hello everyone, and welcome to the fourth episode of... Rebel Crumbs. Last week, we saw the Empire defeated, Darth Vader redeemed, and many Ewoks brutally murdered. However, all that happiness is now a distant memory, because we now plunge 36 years backwards for episode 1, The Phantom Menace. So, what secrets will be uncovered from the past, which familiar faces have a role to play, and most importantly, can we finally talk about Jar Jar now? I'll start the way we always kick off with these shows and ask, first of all,
1: what are our experiences with this film? Rob, I'll start with you. I think this is the first time we've actually asked that question and not jumped to you first. <laughs> <laughs> Cause you're... Um, I don't know, actually. I can't really remember my experiences with this film. I remember just about remember seeing it in the cinema when it came out. I think I was on holiday with my dad and we were in a tent in a field in Wales. Well, you're a bit younger than me, so you would have been very young, wouldn't you? Because I was only six. Five, six, maybe. Yeah. And then it was out in the cinema wasn't where we so happened to be a Yeah, yeah. So I would have been five. I wasn't quite maybe seven, six.
0: Yeah. I wasn't six.
1: Yeah. Hmm. Uh, so th- what? This was summer '99. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, me and my dad, we would have been in a tent in a field somewhere, probably trying to hide from North Wales rain. So <laughs> I think because my dad had grown up with it, and like we'd watched like the VHSs and stuff, um, we probably went to see it. And I probably enjoyed it. And then I remember getting these little... I think they were sweets at first. Or, like, they held sweets or something like that. And you they were in, like, a tube that you could pull out. And the the sweet dispensers were, like, characters from the film. Yeah, pers dispensers. They were sort of like pers dispensers, but not quite. Um... They were just like these little gold models, and you had like. Oh, a... I
0: remember those, they came in
1: cornflakes. Corn cornflakes? Models, <laughs> that yeah, was yeah, and they had a little yes. information sheet inside of them. Yes, I the remember. Yeah. God,
2: you literally know everything about <laughs> I, <laughs> I collected all of those. And I had so like,
1: um, I mean, not to give many character names away, but you had like Boss Nass. Yes, and, that's what I was going to say, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> Boss Nass was that. yeah Fair enough. But, um, <laughs> And then I think I maybe watched it once more after that when it was on TV at Christmas and there was nothing else on tv and that's about all i remember and yeah so okay. I'm, I'm, I'm actually quite looking forward to going over these again because the reputations <laughs> said no one I, d- I don't feel after. like you're going like curious them. <laughs> perspective but yeah so no probably quite an yeah. easy question for you
3: i've never seen it never. i was two when it came out Did you know anything did you know
0: anything about it at all?
3: Well, you you keep saying Jar Jar, so I feel like Jar Jar's a character that pops up. He's a character. Wait, you don't even
2: know who Jar Jar is? No. Oh, this is great. This is so good. (laughs) (laughs) Jake, we'll move on to you. Um, Oh, I don't really know. I mean, when I was, I was, what, four? I would have been four. I was, yeah when this came out. So I never saw it in cinemas. The first Star Wars film I saw in cinemas was Avengers of Sith, when I went to watch it with my best friend in primary school, also called Jake his birthday yeah.
1: um, the people used to make jokes about that the fact that you were both called Jake and best friends or here come the two Jakes and then you would both go oh, for god's sake
2: or no that never
1: happened <laughs> never <laughs> you Not grew even up months. with nicer people than
2: I did yeah, yeah evidently um, <laughs> so yeah my memories of this film are sort of like seen it on TV when it was always on TV for some reason. I don't know why they It is on put, TV a lot, though I don't know why they always put Phantom Menace on TV. Maybe maybe T V executives saying oh it's episode one, it's the first Star Wars. So you know, let's put that on first. And, mm. and then they forget to put the others on. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> um I, I the thing is I have very mixed feelings about Phantom Menace because um like a few years ago it was quite high on of Star Wars films to Enjoy because it's very political um, and for those that don't know, I am also very political. So there are l- some aspects of Minutes that I really like that most people don't like, like all the world building, and all the politics and stuff. I find them quite interesting. Um, they have no place in a *Star Wars* film, but nevertheless, are quite interesting. But then recently, we rewatched it. What before um, *Last Jedi*, yeah. we watched them all, yeah, yeah. Yeah. and oh my god, I found it so much more boring than I remember it. Being... <laughs> like. <laughs> Well, let's not get like, too, uh, too into no, it. No. <laughs> yeah. So my most recent experiences with it is that it's gone down in my estimations from what it used to be.
0: And what Fair. about you? Oh, I mean, I don't even know where to start because this, if, if people who've listened before will know that this was the first one I saw. Well, it I is episode was, one. It's yeah. the first one anyone ever saw. Oh, like, yeah. Surely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I was six going on seven uh, and I, I very, very vividly remember going to see it. What it was that actually got me into it was um, they did a music video for the main piece of music from this film called Jewel of the Fates. Oh, yeah, it's be like a choral thing. And they did an actual music video for it because it was, you know, it was a big thing that Star Wars was coming back. And big enough that even, like, me as a kid was aware of this thing happening in Star Wars. And I saw the music video for it and I thought, wow, that film looks really cool. I want to go and see it. And my dad was delighted because he quite liked Star Wars himself. So he took me to see it, and I was just like blown away. Like I was just obsessed with it, and I went to see it like four more times. I got every piece of merchandise in the world, <laughs>
1: including the little gold statues. Yeah. And the corner <laughs> <of them>. Oh <laughs> my god,
0: I've got everything. I've still got it all to this day. I'm still clogging up the flat with it. <laughs> <laughs> Mine and Jake's, and I've still got loads of my mum dad's as well. And it's—I think I've said before as well—that it's probably the film in the world that I've seen the most times. Like I just—I know every line from it. It's, every single scene from it brings back really like full-on memories. Wow. Like, okay. me and my sister, like, playing scenes from the film and stuff. Like, she's not even into Star Wars, but she knows every line of it as well because I always got it to, like, act it out with me. And she, you would act like the
1: Spice Girls in turn with her. Yeah, we do that as well, yeah. <laughs> because that was definitely you... her idea. Not much. Looking, <laughs> looking back, I think we would all kind of pretend that we didn't enjoy that, but... Pretending to sing Spice Girls, I actually like a really Yeah, totally. Lyric. And looking yeah. back,
0: we probably all pretend we didn't like Phantom Menace. Anyway, um, I, I, the thing is that because it was my first one and it got me into Star Wars and it kind of got me into music as well, because uh, film music anyway, because of John Williams. Anyway, because of that, it's got like a really, really special place in my heart and I find it really hard to criticise it because it's very kind of like special. Despite kind of it film being a Mary. very easy film to criticise. Yeah. And that's the thing though, I can't deny that it's very, very easy to criticise and. I'm fine with it just it's just a forewarner that I will probably go really lightly on it I know it's not perfect but I still love it do in, not in expect me to be I, I love it like you love a child like it annoys the hell out of you sometimes but you have an undying love for it <laughs> <laughs> if there was one thing in I would not describe it as
2: a child <laughs> you well, I, I can understand why he loved it as a six or seven-year-old, because every six or seven-year-old loves to hear about the taxation of Trade federations. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but every six or seven-year-old might love Jar Jar, so you know. <laughs> That's true.
0: Anyway, I think we'll leave it there, because we're getting into the realm of spoilers a bit more. So, without further ado, let's dive into the first chapter of the saga, jump into a brand new era, and then try spinning. That's a good trick. <laughs> I thought I'd make that joke at the end. You'll get that joke later. <laughs> anyway... See you in a few
1: hours. I will not condone a course of action that will lead us to war.
2: A communications disruption
1: can mean only one thing. Invasion. At last, we will reveal ourselves to
0: the Jedi. At last, we will have revenge landing your troops we haven't much time
1: the federation has gone too far
0: the death toll
2: is catastrophic
1: our people are dying senator we must do something quickly you must contact me
2: there is something else behind all this your highness they will kill you if you stay and i can only protect you I can't fight a war for you. I think we're going to have to accept Federation control for the time being. This is a battle I do not think that we can win.
1: I will sign no treaty, Senator.
2: You said people are going to die? Once those droids take control of the surface, they will take control of you. I was not elected to watch my people suffer and die while you discuss this invasion in a committee. me onto one of those dreadful starships Cat-traps. always two there are a
1: master and an apprentice
0: We finished the Phantom Menace about twenty minutes ago, and Let's then had a short Mario Kart. Yeah, we had a short break for Mario Kart.
1: Let's um, discuss. Yes, um,
2: I have a vital question for oh, all yeah. of us. Oh. Um,
1: first question. Yeah, I remember. But I'll
2: i pass it on to you now first because you'll have probably the most interesting response. So throughout the fil- three films that we've seen previous to this, yeah. it was relatively easy to understand what was meant by the titles. You know, um, A New Hope, Luke's A New Hope. Yeah. Um, Revenge of the Sith. No, not Revenge, not Revenge Sif. of Sith. Empire Strikes Back. The Empire Strikes Back.
3: Yeah. Return of the Jedi.
2: The Jedi Return.
3: Yeah.
2: What the fuck is The Phantom Menace?
3: I have no idea. Darth Maul? that's, well,
2: that's one of many possible answers. Rob, what do you think it is? Uh, it's The Quantum of Solace. <laughs> <laughs> the theme tune of which goes Quantum of Solace. <laughs> <laughs> That's no, really I think. Yeah. I
1: mean, I don't want to say too much because this is my answer is affected by what I know yeah, yeah, about yeah, what yeah. happens. So I would say the Phantom no Menace. No spoilers for now. No, no I, won't, I won't mention any character names, or I'll, I'll be careful. But I think the Phantom Menace is a threat that us who have seen episodes two and three know about, but the characters in episode one don't know about. To be fair, Norm might have. Picked it up. It might not be spoilers. Well, it you depends, get really. you get glimmers in the background, don't
2: you, of um, the, the holograms of the Trade Federation talking to Darth Sidious yes. slash the Emperor. Yes. Um. So you could say because he's orchestrating that all in the background that he is the Phantom Menace and not to, and he is unseen. He's sort of like a ghost as well, like a exactly, phantom. Yeah. yeah. So okay. So that is
0: Rob's kind of the dark side in general thing. And Darth Sidious is a hologram. Those are two possible answers. Darth Maul is another possible answer because he's like a demon. Could be. Could be Anakin mm-hmm. because he is eventually going to become Darth Vader, and no one notices this threat in plain yes. sight. But no one really knows what the Phantom. <laughs> does is George Lucas know? Yeah, I'm sure he does. He probably but, doesn't you know, He that, probably picked
2: two words that okay. sound quite. He would probably be. Nice. Nice. I think <laughs> the, the official answer is
0: yeah. your kind of you know the general looming menace. Like it's it's there in a lot of it. Like the music, of Jewel of the Fates, and stuff like this. Big kind of. Venison mm. kind of tone to it a lot of the time like there's something happening that the characters aren't aware of anyway now we discuss the title let's just discuss
1: generally yeah we do what we do go to North what? first No, what did you think of it
3: I don't know it was just <laughs> it was a whole like mishmash of things and there was a lot going on
2: do you think you enjoyed it
3: I, I enjoyed bits of it but I don't think as I don't think it stands as a whole movie I think it, it's lots of little movies put together yeah,
0: that's it was a very good way well. Fair answer.
3: Um, yeah. I mean, it was, it was fun to watch. And Jojo's a great character. I
0: knew, <laughs> I knew you would like Jojo. I knew you would. Oh, he's adorable.
3: <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like I think it was it was okay. Not, not as good as the other ones, but we'll get to that. That's fair. But yeah.
0: Let's, let's do our usual question to open up to the table. What was your favourite character? Who was your favourite character?
2: Say
0: like, no, no you, you
3: know
2: mine is Jar Jar. Jar Jar, definitely your favorite character. Yeah, yeah. Oh, about right. Jake. Um, not Jar Jar. Um, we'll talk more about Jar Jar later on. Um, but as a brief introduction to what I think of Jar Jar, he's quite very, very clearly a kid's character. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, the Ewoks are very clearly kids' characters, but they work because you know, they're cute and fuzzy, and the 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 impacts of the world a little bit. Jar Jar's just like a bumbling idiot, and he's just like. Uh, It's just it's just weird. I I just don't understand. Uh, There's a lot of stuff I don't understand. I I
1: think we have to be careful if you're going to mention a certain character as your favorite character because it might.
2: Oh no no, wouldn't be his favorite. No no, No, no. my favorite character in this film. There's not very many to choose from. Um, Qui Gon Jinn is fine as a character. Liam Neeson plays him quite well, but he's not given much to work with because the script's just so dry for this whole thing. Um, Anakin's all the shit. He's just fucking annoying as fuck. Shmi's quite good. Andy thinks that Shmi's act is brilliant, but I just think she's wooden as hell. I'll, I'll come to that. Anyway, Wait, go on. Shmi.
3: Shmi uh, Anakin's mum Oh right, okay. The
2: one that's like you bring up to yeah. people in the galaxy who have none. She doesn't have that accent. Anyway, go on. She has an accent. Yeah.
3: yeah.
2: <laughs> um. It's... Oh, I don't know. It's it's hard because Darth Maul's a cool buddy. Well, he would be cool if he was, you know, if we understood anything about him, we don't. He's just his evil guy that pops up. Um, Obi-Wan is quite good, but he has such a small role in his yeah, film, it's relevant yeah. for the main part of the film on Tatooine, which is, is supposed to be some sort of like little um, detour and ends up taking up half of the film. Um, he's not even present for most of that. Um, probably my favourite character is Padme, um, who's a handmaiden of the queen
3: so Um, can I I I got confused so is she the actual queen or not
0: yes basically the way it works is that when you see her out of costume when she's just being Padme someone else is dressing up as the queen but whenever she's on any kind of official business like when she's talking to other politicians and stuff she is the queen it's just whenever she
2: doesn't need to be like
3: in the, the target. Stuff, yeah. She
2: gets yeah. out of her costume because she wants to yeah. experience a world and try and understand what people yeah. feel, which is what. And Mace also, her she is in danger. Her
0: planet's at war. Exactly. So. And she, yeah,
2: she's a decoy, and yeah. that comes into it later on as but well. She, but
0: she is the queen. Okay. There's a Pad- whole backstory. I they don't make it clear that she's supposed to be 14 years old. She's like the youngest queen oh, in right, the galaxy's okay. history, and so she's a big, like, known
2: figure. She's a target. Yeah. So she has to be a decoy. Yeah. So Padme, probably because she's the only character on there with like any any sense of empathy for any other characters, except with maybe Shmi, but again, she plays such a small role that mm-hmm. she's sort of irrelevant anyway. Um, and yeah, that's it. Every other character in there is just dry as fuck. Like, I, 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 you know, I completely agree. I think by
0: process of elimination it has to be Padme slash Queen Amidala. But that's only because no one else really stands out. And when yeah. Padme is
2: Queen Amidala she's like all the other characters. She's just dry as hell. I well, mean, this is the thing. Kind of has to be because she's if, a queen. It but... really
0: saves Queen Amidala as a character that it turns out that she's Padme because up to that point, I remember, like, I, I was thinking when we were on Coruscant and stuff. Why does like, Queen Amidala talk like this for every line? I, know, I was thinking when we were on Coruscant and stuff, it's like, <laughs> at this point, the film's like two thirds over. We don't know anything about Queen Amidala at all. She's just like, she's basically a living prop. We don't know. Anything about it, and it's very much—it's completely saved by the fact that we know she's Padme, so that solves
2: that question. And she's naff, even even when she's getting passionate in the Senate, she's like, "I will not condone yeah. a course of action that yeah. will lead my people to war." I think it would help but the help. film if they made that reveal earlier, so
0: you can actually yeah. see the workings of how she has to be these two people, because that's interesting. Because they sidestep the interesting part yeah. and just
1: do the quick reveal. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Rob. Rob, go on. Et. Et. <laughs> <laughs> because he is a great character, and he is in the film.
2: Um, uh, in lieu of that I'm going to have to change my answer to um, the brief um, appearance of um, what's he called Warwick Davis Warwick
0: Davis Davis. just Warwick Davis the character both as himself and as Baby Greedo Greedo. (laughs) Baby Greedo
1: or the the, the little boy that's friends with Anakin who goes yippee all the time and that's his only line kidster his name is Or, or um, or the kid who goes let's go and play ball. Like, <laughs> yes. oh, all those kids,
0: they're all uh, the kids of the producers and you can
1: so tell. Yeah, <laughs> There's a shit b- acting. Oh, yeah. No, I would say, um, seriously, my favourite character is uh, maybe Qui-Gon. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm working hard here, to be honest. It's, um, yeah. I would say, yeah, no, I would say Qui-Gon because it seems, again, that, I mean, there is a lot of sitting down and talking in this film. It's just a shame that the like you say, the dialogue is just lifeless. But, um, you know, he has more conversations about... I mean, I've always found The Force to be quite interesting, just as a thing. Like the, mm. the, so I, The Force is your favourite character? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the oh, the midichlorians? Yeah. yeah, just people who talk about The Force and sort of don't explain it. But, like, I mean, that's one thing I think this film does actually do quite well, which is, again, to keep The Force as, like, something that's ever-present but sort of elusive and... It's tangible, but they can't understand it. And they can sense things, but they can't control it. And so Qui Gon mentions more stuff about that than anybody else. It's just a shame that they undermine it by, you know, revealing the absolute intricacies of what the Force is. Yeah, and then, like, like, right at the end, it's just like, (laughs) the Force is made up of these things. I mean, I want to maybe. That does lead me into an issue that I have with the film in general, but. I think that's something. There are that many,
2: many issues. That well, well, that's. Touch upon
1: on I journal. think my major issue, and it's right from the first moment, really. I mean, unless you have many any other. Que- yeah, there's there's one other question that we usually ask is, it? it's your favourite bit?" Yeah, and then we'll move on to the yeah, main discussion. Together, so. so I'll park it for. I'll briefly park it, but the stuff about the Midichlorians does kind of mm. hint into things. Yeah, issues. Stuff. Yeah. I, th- I think what became my large we come back to midichlorians when we were yeah talking we'll talk about that because
0: I think that does represent a lot of what's wrong with the film in
2: general yeah, yeah. so we'll quickly touch on the usual question favourite scene Jake favourite scene um, there's one good scene in this entire film oh that's a bit unfair anyway go on um, <laughs> and to be fair the scene is let down because the rest of the film is a bit naff so it has no emotion but the one standout scene is the lightsaber jewel at the end like just because the lightsabers fight is really good, sorry, um, that's it. That, that's the one maybe redeeming thing. Well, you know there are there are good things about the Phantom Menace. Um, I used to like the things going on in the Senate, but what the hell is that doing in a Star Wars film? Look at the previous films that we've just watched. Like that, you know, the, the, this, 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 like what can I say about? We'll come to that. Let's focus. On, let's focus on the good. Let's the focus good on the good. the the lightsaber battle is a cool lightsaber battle and they do neat tricks it's by far the most intricate lightsaber battle we've had in Star Wars so far almost to a fault that it looks a little bit too much like the dancing rather than actually having a lightsaber battle Mm -hmm. but you could you could argue that's just you know how Jedi do things because they've been established for thousands of years and blah 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 but it looks cool um Darth Maul gets cut in half there's a death that you don't care about because Qui-Gon Jinn is a plank of wood um (laughs) You don't care about the villains, don't Remember you know? when we were focusing on the good? <laughs> <laughs> um, have <you> played? So <laughs> yeah, good choreography in the lightsaber battle makes that probably the best scene in the film. And it, yeah, yeah, I'm okay. going to stop Otherwise, I'm just kind of <laughs> criticising it more. No, like, what was your favourite scene? I have
3: two, so that, that scene. And also, I quite like the pod race as well. That was quite fun. Um, yeah. I have one question about it, though. Did Anakin use the Force when he tried to attach the thing back to his
2: no, Sport. he used a magnet. The
0: okay,
3: because it looked kind of like the force, and I was kind of like, mm. no, but not that that p- seemed a bit weird, yeah, not in, in that, that particular moment.
0: But force. I think you get the feeling that throughout the whole thing, he's using the force. Like, yeah. I mean, what, otherwise, what mother in their right mind would let a nine-year-old
2: into that? Well, with <laughs> a minicorian, you know, he has to be quite good mm-hmm. at it. With a minicorian chlorian count yeah. kind of over twenty thousand, <laughs> more than Yoda, <laughs> <laughs> more than Master Yoda. He need not to use the force. The force uses him. Well oh sorry
0: is that yeah team, yeah, yeah. yeah,
1: that yeah. rob what was your favorite scene um i thought the last half an hour was actually pretty good mm. um it's it kind of did that i mean i'll talk about it a little bit more but um i would like to I mean, my favorite bit of the three strands of the end battle if you will the three strands being the stuff that goes on with the ship the in the space um the stuff that's going on in the throne room and the castle with the people with the guns and the fancy window cleaning service, <laughs> uh, sort of like grapples, and the stuff that's going on with uh, Obi Wan, Darth Maul. And there's also of the gun, the battle outside, the sports. And force. there's also the gun, yeah, yeah so again, so yeah, uh, I would say of those four things, then there's the. Um, my favourite bit is probably the lightsaber jewel. Really love the bit with the slide. Slight- well, they're not sliding doors, but like the laser doors. <laughs> <laughs> If there is any film franchise in the world that has laser doors, it's probably <laughs> Star Wars in it. But, um, but not that. I think the last half an hour is solid. And I think that the lightsaber jewel in the middle of it is probably the best bit of it. So what about you? In the middle? Oh, you mean in the middle of, of, the of it. Yeah. Oh, no, not, not the first one where Darth Maul kind of withholding the <laughs> second yeah. half of his... Uh, lightsaber. Sometimes
2: I wish Darth Maul would just run over Anakin and... <laughs> Mind you, I guess then the we original would no never yeah. happened. It's all worth it in the end.
1: Anakin, duck! <laughs> uh-huh.
0: for, as for me, uh, I love the Padres. I've always loved it as a kid because it's just like I've never seen anything like it. And even now, I actually... I don't think it's just rose into lenses. I think it actually does hold up even
2: now. It I think it good. looks CGI amazing. for 99 yeah. I mean, there are aspects of the CGI, like Jar Jar... I know he was impressive back then, but looking at him now, he's not impressive compared to the stuff we see today. He
1: really looks really He does look floppy. old. He really mm. sticks out when There, it first there was appears. That
2: one scene that we saw that is supposed to be in a real location in the forest when Queen Amadala <laughs> goes to plead to the um, Boss yeah. Nats. Um, and there was one shot where the f- texture of the floor looks like it came out of a video game, and it's really close to the camera so you can tell. Um, it's like, did they actually even look at that shot and see? which is so weird because like in the director's commentary um, George what's his face George Lucas is always like um, talks about how intricate Phantom Menace is and how much he thought about it and how much he paid attention to all the little tiny things going on and they just miss blatant things like a really low resolution texture on a floor in a a shot of what's supposed to be a real location like it's just so bizarre it's like is he just taking the
1: piss it did look a bit (laughs) like you know when uh, Google Maps uh, when you could get Google Earth and w- when you zoom in... It when quite you zoom in and everything <laughs> just goes flat. Yeah. yeah, That's kind of how the floor looked exactly. to me. Yeah. Um, what about you? What was the original question again? <laughs> what my um, favourite scene was I was talking about the pod oh racers. Yeah, <laughs> <thing. laughs> race. oh, and the
2: sound of the pod racers is yeah. really good.
0: Yeah,
1: like, yeah. I, I like that. Probably my, my favourite thing in the film. Like awesome. Awesome.
2: Well,
0: I've, I've seen a bit in a behind-the-scenes documentary, which is really funny, actually, where he said, he's trying to describe to the sound editor what he wants to be like. He says, I want this to be the bit of the film where you get people, like, brooming upstairs, going, turn it down! <laughs> so you want it to be that bit of the film, and, it, and I think it is stuff. that's that, that, to me, is still the bit that really thrills me every time I watch it, like, especially towards the end when the music's building and his pod race is in trouble. Yeah. And I th- that it feels like it's one of the few moments in the film because it doesn't have to happen a lot because it's all kind of lifeless mm. and unemotional, but in that part of the film, it really feels like there's real it stakes. Tense, yeah. You know, things are, like, a- hanging in the balance here. Like, if he doesn't win this race,
2: everything's screwed, and it... it it is a bit of a moment, and I like that. It's actually probably a little bit more tense than the lightsaber battle because yeah. of that, because there's more hanging on it. Exa-
0: yeah, it's a good example of that, how action sequences are always so much better if they've got emotional and plot stakes behind them. Because as much as I like the lightsaber battle, it's not that great really beyond just the you know the Spectacle. awesomeness of it. Because they don't have any story behind it at all. Qui-Gon has briefly met Darth Maul, and there's this thing that maybe he's a little bit intimidated by him or something. But Obi Wan's never met Darth Maul before, and there's just absolutely no history between them at all. There's nothing going on, compared to like Luke versus Vader meeting yeah. for the first time in Empire Strikes Back. You know, this guy who's like ruined this life so far, and that feels like you know this big showdown at last. And it just doesn't compare in terms of that. There's nothing going on in this. And yes, it's awesome to look at, but I think as you say, it's almost too awesome to look at the lightsaber. battle. it's it's too crisp it's and choreography isn't it, it there is. are moments where i feel like you can see the actors waiting to make their blow where in real life if you you know you just make a stab, you wouldn't be waiting to go in at this side and, and spin go in. At in at that that's side impractical spinning and yeah and like Daph molded yeah. some spins in there where you can just cut his
2: legs off while he's in the middle of the exactly spin. but they're it's waiting so to
0: hit their line yeah. and it's a bit it's a bit unbelievable in that yeah. respect. but anyway same positive i'm following my advice here <laughs> yeah pod race is great the lights of the battle is very awesome to look at i do love the whole last half hour actually yeah uh, it is. It is really, really great. The actual climax. Act. I know. I really. Do. I think it's really great. I think it's <laughs> yeah, one I'm of the best. stand up for it. As well. One of the best last acts of a Star Wars film. I think, like everything really comes Really, one comes of the best together, last so. acts of a Star Wars
2: film. There's no stakes. Like there nothing. is. There is. is there?
0: there is because the thing is, that you have to forget about the wider. To, for this film to really work, you have to sort of turn your brain off to the rest of the Star Wars universe. I was going to come to this anyway. In that, if you learn to care about Naboo, you learn to care about this story. You know, it's kind of like an end-of-the-world scenario for them. It's
2: hard to curve for Naboo, though, when it's portrayed the way it is in this film, because...
1: Well, I'm coming to... I'm actually
2: coming to one one of my other favourite
0: scenes, which is... It's it's one of my favourite scenes just because I feel like I wish they'd done more with it because it's really interesting, is the scene where Padme and all of the Naboo people bow to the Gungans, and it's like, you know, the conflict between Naboo and the Gungans has been solved. And it feels like... There's a story there that I wish I'd seen much more of of how these two peoples have learned to come together. That's a great
2: idea for a film.
0: Why couldn't we have that film and instead?
2: Because it really works. there it, is a little bit of development of... You see that going on in the film. And like Obviously, when you get to the Gungan underwater city and they hate the people of Naboo, all of a sudden that's solved in that very short scene, which is a bit unbelievable. Mm. But you do see the build-up, because then Jar Jar goes up to the Queen when they're on Coruscant and says to them, oh, you must hate us because we've got this big app. Yeah, And then you see... The Queen that's, that's, well. yeah, that's Padme. You, you see Padme, it clicks yeah. in her head. Ah, okay, so if we get them on our side, then what? And that's, you know, some, a bit of foreshadowing like that are the bits where the film does work when it actually. When, when the film follows a narrative structure in yeah. pieces like that. And the bits of the pod race, like if we take the pod race as a good example of good storytelling in Star Wars, you know who the baddie in the pod race is because it's. Um, what's his face? Um, Sabulba, Sabulba. You know who the goodie is. It's Anakin. You're rooting for him because you want him to get off the planet. That whole bit in the pod race makes sense because it's a good bit of storytelling. But it's not expanded on the rest of the film. I know. Like I agree. Um, it's so clear in that bit who we should be sticking up for. But or, and in the previous films, it's so clear who we should be sticking up for. But as a piece overall, now who do you think the protagonist of this film is?
3: Anakin, I would say.
0: The mm. thing is, I mean. <laughs> With Anakin, though, I would rule him out because he doesn't come into it until half an hour into the movie. He's yeah. not get in the film at all. Yeah, I mean, I guess you could say started. the same for Luke in New Hope as well, but Anakin never f- feels like the main character to me. I mean, well, as maybe as a kid, he was the one I most got drawn to, but I watch it as a film now. The reason I don't think he's know, ever
1: at the forefront of it. Not really. The reason we know so. is all to do with the way that Luke and Anakin are introduced into A New Hope and Phantom Menace, respectively. A lot of it's to do with the music because mm. when Luke jogs on to the set of A New Hope you get the
3: do 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 do, mm, yeah. do 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 do
1: he's got really bright eyes he's running he's shouting he's calling out he has a nice voice you get a little bit of a variation on the theme yeah and
2: he's the focus of the shots when he's first on there and well. when Anakin
1: walks and Anakin walks into the shot just like random little sleep and he's no having music a conversation at all. Like, he's and there's no the music and yeah. it's And he just has a conversation with Padme. Yeah. And that's the difference between making a clear protagonist of a film and not doing it. I I I I want to get to this later, but it's made me realise how much music actually plays a role in making a Star Wars film feel like a Star Wars film because a lot of the original motifs are not used in this film at all. You get the Force theme when they're about to start the pod race, And you get that one bit of new music, the um, Mm. that's pretty epic, but there are so many, there are so many musical cues in episodes four, five, and six that are linked to so many key character moments, and I don't feel like the music understands character in the way that. I mean, I I I have to say, I I
0: I do completely disagree to be honest I feel like this is a really really strong score but it's better when you oh, listen yeah. to it it's a strong
1: score but the way that it's arranged throughout the action doesn't quite resonate in the way that 4, 5 and 6 are, but that might be coloured by the and, fact that I'm not used to looking out for cues no
2: I, I, I do agree with Rob though. like there are like if you know the score really well and you know all the character themes really well there are places where there are character themes and bits of character themes in new themes from the old films Weaved into this film that if you look out for and you know that are there, it tells you a story of what's going to happen in the future. Before it's it's like musical foreshadowing in this film.
4: Yeah.
2: Um, Like I don't don't want to give spoilers, so I'm not going to point them out. But there are elements of the film where themes play from certain characters that show the significance of those characters at that point in the film before they've later developed. So you know that if if you can listen to those cues and you know about the film already, then you can look out for it. But of course, a lot of the time, people don't watch films three times on a line to score and then know everything all about it. You know, they just watch the film as it is, mm. so it's I, I it mean, is weak in that respect. But I, but I don't think I think that that's a problem of
0: the direction and it's a problem of the feel of the film. In that, I think John Williams does his very, very best to connect with it yeah. on a musical mm-hmm. level. Yeah. But if the sustenance isn't there, there's not much you can really do, and that's what I mean. If you listen to it in isolation, I feel like you really get the character of Anakin. Like you really like. Get a really, really nice feel of the story that they're
2: trying to tell, mm-hmm. but I don't think it's as, as clear on screen. <laughs> exactly, and like, like you were saying, like I completely agree with you that music plays a massive role in making a Star Wars film feel like a Star Wars film. But in the bits where the music really works, in like, say, the original film when Luke comes onto screen, or when Luke's looking out at a sunset and you've got that really good shot of him looking out yeah. and you, the four scene plays, and you know, it's really important and it's quite an emotional moment. like You don't get any chances for John Williams to make that kind of music because in Phantom Menace* there aren't any shots like that, like you said. That's what it is. Anakin just sort of walks into it, and you can't make a big Anakin theme. I mean, there is an Anakin theme in there, but damned if you ever know about it because you just. But when you give give him, when you give John Williams the opportunity to make a big moment out of it, he does.
0: Like when the ship's blowing up at the end, and you get this big sequence of Anakin flying out of the ship, and he does this big bombastic version of the Force theme, and I think that really works when you give John Williams the
2: chance to do it. But, hmm. but he doesn't have a chance much in this film. Mm,
1: no, not really. Well, should we... I mean, it's not really a segue, but should we unorganically force ourselves back to the <laughs> beginning of the, <laughs> yes, let's say, action? Yes.
0: Well, I mean, where to start? I mean, the thing I want to talk about the most, because you were talking about who's the protagonist, I want to talk about Qui-Gon. Because my, as far as I'm concerned, as much as Liam Neeson does a good job, I'm going to borrow a quote from a famous review of Phantom Menace here, which is that Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan should have been combined into one character called Obi-Wan. <laughs> it's as simple as that. I don't yeah. see fundamentally any reason at all why Qui-Gon exists. You could say so, that for another character, but I think we'll come to him. But for the, considering Qui-Gon is the main character, that's a big problem. If he, you don't he, really understand why. He's the top build character. He's got the most lines. He's got the most screen time. Yeah. He leads the action. He, he's supposed to... I feel like he's supposed to be the protagonist yeah, of I was this say, film. say,
3: is that, is that what, it, what was meant to happen?
0: I, I, I mean, I feel no like no he's intended as the lead <laughs> character. But, you know, he plays no role in the rest of the saga. He's dead now. Yeah. Yeah, got no a, link to the yeah. original
2: trilogy. Why does he exist? The why could no one
0: just find Anakin and start training him?
2: The way the, yeah. like, the way the character's portrayed in the narrative structure of this film, because it's so... It's, it's difficult to tell who the protagonist is. It's, it sometimes it seems difficult to tell who the antagonist is because Darth is introduced halfway through the film. The only... Um, briefly. He's in like two scenes um, yeah. and there's no backstory to him. Um, the the Emperor slash Darth Sidious is more of an evil
1: presence throughout the film. But, he's basically not in the film. But he's not in it yeah. really. He's just a
2: hologram a couple of times. And yeah, that,
1: quite... I mean, I think the reason, the only reason I could think of for Qui-Gon being there is to hint at something coming before the prequels, like yeah, there's like a baton totally. passing process from like what would if essentially be episode zero and minus one, yeah, and it hints at this. I mean, this Jedi. Structure. This kind of this is actually a good point for me to get into an issue that the film raises that I have with the film that comes up immediately at the beginning. Prequels are not the point to expand a universe. It's a stupid idea. yeah. Because when episode four, five and six are so... Not insular, but because when they're, they're so self-contained with the direct story... They all happen in really small places over a really short period of time. Why the... Yeah, exactly. Why the hell does episode one think that it's a good idea? I mean, first of all big problem straight away is that about 80% of the characters you see in the first 5 or 10 minutes are CGI or costumes. Mm. And the accents are really dodgy <laughs> and cartoony. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about that in more detail. And there, they don't actually. match up with the the, ma- the the mouths. And like, when you first saw a Stormtrooper, you were like, wow, what a costume. That's why Stormtroopers are on t-shirts everywhere, and why Battle droids. I mean, that. I mean that's straight away there. You call something a stormtrooper. I mean, yeah, they. I'd like say I, have we, as we saw in the last it's episode. Not, it's not like, it's like a brand though, isn't it? Yeah, like it an iPhone becomes or a like, like, MacBook. It's yeah, a stormtrooper. Masses, you know like, what it is. The helmets, the costumes, they become a thing all of their own. But with the battle droids, they just look like scrawny metal dogs on mm. two legs with stupid voices. And like they, and they're called battle droids. Let's get them. And like,
4: stormtroopers.
1: Raja, raja. And, And then you get the characters who were just sort of like, we have put up a blockade. And like, (laughs) it's it's like, it's ridiculous. It's, and then, I mean, it's hard to get into a world that's so artificial straight away. And then they start with the, I mean, there was a pretty cool shot where the Jedis came out of the mist with their lightsabers and this, you saw the lightsabers first and whatnot, but like, since when could? Since when were Jedi Knights masters of martial arts like what the this, fuck this like is the, the, the leaping one, yeah. and the jumping and the bouncing yeah. and the spinning and the, the front flips and the back flips and it's like yeah fair enough if you could do that in episodes 4, 5 and 6 but like none of them can I know Why introduce this kind of stuff now? Why not? You you could argue that there are
2: no Jedi. Like the only Jedi left in the original trilogy is Yoda. He's an old man. He's so old. But even although saying that, he's really old in the prequels, and um, he gets some stuff done in the prequels, doesn't he? Yeah,
1: yeah. It's just, it's just so like the bit. I mean, I know we're jumping far forward in the film here, but like when Obi Wan is hanging on to the like porthole thing in the column. And, and he like he's hanging there for dear life and then oh all of a sudden no he, he was just While Darth like, Maul does his classic all that, pacing yeah, he, the, he, the goes, and then paces from side to side and then all of a sudden everyone has this ability to fling himself 30 feet up mm. in the air entirely and it's just it, to be fair it, Luke
2: does that in, um, um, in, in episode 5 when he's inside the white uh, yeah, like, little that. thing and yeah. does that massive force jump and Darth Vader's like most
0: impressive. But uh, no, but I, I, I do take your point though. That yeah. it's it's not a... why
1: introduce it and make it such a big visual deal now. Yeah. Like it looks badass in isolation. Like it does look cool in isolation. I think like on its own. Jedi knights having this ability to be also masters of martial art and like to jump from platform to platform and only with your knees and stuff like that and you know, that, that works in isolation but then you sit there and you think about what Jedis could do in episodes 4, 5 and 6 and you're just like why are you adding this in? and then they, I mean, they immediately start cha- and they change the laws of what lightsabers can do like Mountain lightsabers can apparently doors. cut through doors now like they can well we never knew that they couldn't cut through doors but originally. again it's just it's just a thing <laughs> they've added in because they can I feel yeah. like the, the technology improved between obviously between 83 and 99 but the problem that you then have is that when stuff like I mean the ships look great, like the little racers and the, not the races, but like um, I mean the races actually were more in keeping with the Star Wars universe in general. But like the spaceships that they use, the sort of like the little ships, well, I do not like a the big sh- just shiny so, ship they use to fly. They're just so up sleek. Mm-hmm. That, like the silver yeah. ship that they have that yeah. runs out past—it's just so sleek. It's and like, then, like a mirror. And then you go forward in time to episode four,
2: and everything's old. And, and everything's
1: crap. old and crappy. And it's like just keep. Th- I and mean, then that's why the pod racers were because they're just old, crappy like soapbox. To racers, be fair, the right ra-
2: the idea is that before um before episode four, and we'll we'll see it as we go through that um the end of the prequel trilogy is like. Um, sort of like marks the end of the sort of golden age of the Jedi like the Jedi have loads of power and technology is really great and everything, like mm. um, everything's really great but then that, that all gets lost and that gets all wiped out and then you move on to the original trilogy but I don't think we again. really see that to be honest I think
0: that that is like you know, in, we see the Jedi but you know. we don't we don't see the decline of technology yeah, we, don't we don't see any of that exactly. and that's, uh, that is a big problem yeah, yeah, it not, visually so that, it just doesn't look anything yeah. like and again is in sort of,
1: isolation yeah. looks pretty cool I mean it looks a bit weird like the uh, I forget what they call it it's like poly something or other like CGI against the real background yeah. but it looks a bit ropey but it's you know the, the chip design looks really nice and the yellow ones were nice, and the silver one that they had was all sleek. And... I did like the little pod races with the electric going between. Yeah, and... exactly. And, like, you know, I mean, the pod races actually kind of do fit with the Star Wars universe because they're essentially just jumped up. It's essentially a soapbox derby. Like, yeah, I've got no problem with pod like, races, yeah. And, and the pod racing scene actually itself I mean, was great. With a lot of tension in it and stuff. But it, I think quite a lot of the tension was derived from the fact that these machines could fall apart. Yeah. And. Like in the original. Yeah, uh, and. Um...
2: And again, these like, mm. like there's all these little problems of like all this technology that comes up, and that oh that Jedi thing. You're so right about the Jedi being able to do all this stuff because my main problem with the Phantom Menace, like, I do like that it expands the world somewhat, and you see more of different planets and different cultures. And um, mm, I'll get into the, that a little the bit. The politics more, and yeah. the Senate is expanded, but it turns the Jedi into like this like ultimate force, like police force thing <laughs> where they seem to hold like ultimate power in the Senate and can do whatever the hell they want without consequences. Um, and th- 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 they're so pompous and wise. And until the last Jedi sort of brings them down a peg or two and makes, makes the characters realize that the Jedi aren't as amazing mm-hmm. as they think they were. Um, and obviously that only came out last year. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, um, until then, it's been a really big issue for a long time—the depiction of Jedi pre-episode four. In that you've got like the Knights of the Old Republic games and um, all this like thousands of years of lore of the Jedi that turn them into like this massive ancient religion of how amazing all the Jedi are, and it just sort of it just doesn't feel like that's what they should be or that's what they. Well, that's, I think that's all, the isn't... overall point, and is that. When you do something as good as the
0: original trilogy which where the mythology is not talked about much but it's there and you get this mystical idea of wow, what must the Jedi have been like? Get rid of the mysticism. And, it's, it? and it's just... Uh, the, I don't want to like start talking about other stuff but the best example I can think of is in Doctor Who where you've got the Doctor who is this strange alien you don't know anything about what he's like and then whenever you go to his planet and you actually see it it's shit because it just doesn't possibly live up to mm-hmm. what you can imagine. Yeah. And in this... like An example I always think of... When you watch the original, it's just it's a tiny little thing, but I think it's indicative. Is that when you watch the original trilogy, you see Obi Wan walking around on Tatooine in those robes, and it turns out all the Jedi wear the exact same thing. It's like, hang on, he's wearing these like brown cloak and stuff because he's in a desert. Yeah.
4: That's not like <laughs> yeah.
0: their uniform. Why, why do they uniform. all wear that? Like, it's, it's that's not know, what you would imagine. It's like, hang on. Yeah, because Luke is done in black He was and supposed black to be shirts. in hiding, mm-hmm. and. He was just going around wearing his Jedi uniform and stuff like that. That you don't, you don't think about how it impacts on the original material when you make this thing, because suddenly all the mythology is there out in the open and there's no secrets anymore, and it, you just yeah. can't possibly live up to that hype. And it's the same thing about oh, the only way to make Jedi look really cool and make them look powerful is to have them flipping and shit
2: and doing martial arts, because otherwise, visually, how can you do it? Mm-hmm. And it's a mistake to even go there. You're totally right, because, like, the original trilogy, what makes it so cool is, like, you've got Yoda there, who's this little old green man, and he's really cool and he's really cute, and you're like, wow, I wonder what his backstory is. He's so awesome, he's so mystic, like, I lo- he's so cool. And then it's like, it's sort of like pulling back the curtain and finding out that the. Grand Wizard of Oz he's just an old little man inside of a robot costume who can't really do much well you know? I, it's, I mean it, it's just it re- completely removes any mystery whatsoever when and, two, look and just like
0: while it. we're talking on Yoda there's two sides to this coin as well because as Rob said there's some parts of it where they open it up too far and you see things you don't want to see but with Yoda it's one of the things for example where I think they don't open it up far enough where they do things that limit it Like, when you see Yoda in Empire Strikes Back, I think it's nice to think that he's just one Jedi of many. He's one that happened to survive. He's this little old man who managed to make it and teach the Jedi. Now it turns out he is the ultimate Jedi of all who's in charge of all of them. And Luke managed to get access to him. And it makes me feel smaller. And the worst example of that is Anakin, who's
2: Darth Vader. Darth Vader built (laughs) C3PO. It's like, oh my god, yeah! It limits it when it's
0: suddenly like... Again, when you pull back the curtain and you see what the real story is behind it, there's just no way it can end well. and Because they somehow decided to involve C-3PO and R2-D2 in the story. some now it's got to be like, they're actually involved in the story. They were there. They know Darth Vader. They know Yoda. They. It's just... oh, Awful. Yeah. Awful decision to do that.
1: As someone who maybe well, someone who definitely didn't grow up with Star Wars films and maybe hasn't had the original idea of the Jedi kind of, like, imprinted on their mind, did the flame-whooping... Magic Jedi. holy holy <laughs> stuff bother you as such? No, I think... Or did it just kind it of was pass It cool,
3: to be honest. Yeah. I, I didn't think much of it.
0: I mean, the thing is, that we're, we're talking about all this as, like, you know... Because we've seen, seen the rest of them before yeah. as well. I mean, are we right about this? Is this, like... Because I'm thinking this is not what you would expect... Like, this is not satisfying compared to what you would have expected. Is, is that, I mean. I don't know,
3: what would you have expected, though? Like.
2: I wouldn't have expected to see 3PO and R2 at all.
0: Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, I would. Yeah. I
3: definitely would have got rid of that, yeah. Maybe R2, because R2 I would thought really... R2 was quite a nice
2: surprise yeah. at the start. I forgot that he's introduced
1: that way. So yeah, nice yeah,
3: yeah like, his, his introduction was great, but C3PO's was just like. Now that you've, you have I I didn't make the connection I was just thinking mm. yeah, yeah it's what just does c C-T-P- do in
1: this film beyond just appear
2: nothing nothing really? he have got to force him in somehow yeah. because he would just George Lucas George they're Lucas, Lucas they're his, his favorite them, characters they? are R2D2 and C4PL so he's got to force himself because F- <laughs> <laughs> he loves them so much but think about it though because
0: we've now gone back into a new era and they're still there it's only now that this is the point where they start becoming these characters who are in all the films it's only at Phantom Menace where that starts to become the they're in every single one. Yeah. That wasn't the case before now. Now it, it now we've only just now got to the point where they're being crowbarred in. Um, I don't like a it. Lot, well,
1: I'd just <laughs> like to talk about the introductions of two characters in of particular. God. First one, because I think we'll have less to say about him, because he does a hell of a lot less, is the way that they introduced Darth Maul compared to the way that they introduced Darth Vader. Now, the way that they introduced Darth Vader is right one of the film. most famous... Introductions of any villain mm. in any film franchise ever, to the point where I mean, I said when when we were covering A New Hope, when my dad went to see it at the cinema, people already knew who Vader was to the point where they <laughs> threw they threw shit at the screen because they already knew us. The way that Darth Maul is introduced in this film is a person in the well, Darth Sidious going, my my, uh, uh, my Darth apprentice Darth, <laughs> and, then, like, and, then, by and apprentice. then and then Darth Maul just
2: appears as a hologram and. That's your lot. And the thing is, about the cool thing about Darth Maul is that he's got all this like cool red and black makeup on and all spiky and he's mysterious and he looks funky. The devil. And he's introduced in a scene where you don't get to see any of that because he's blue in all yeah, of yeah. <laughs>
1: that. I, I didn't even think of it and then I noticed it this time and I thought. And then he talks yeah. and his voice is. He should just... stay silent. He should stay silent. Or just have a deeper voice. Just have yeah. a more menacing voice and just like. Yes, master. You know, what I, I think like. you know. I think about Darth
0: Maul is that he mm. works brilliantly, potentially as like a henchman mm. to the main villain. Yeah, and that's yeah. how that's kind of is Again, how he presents and him henchmen in don't that. Talk. He comes in briefly. He gets this one amazing action sequence, and then he dies like a jump, like henchmen do. Yeah, but there is no bigger villain that we really get any kind of introduction to, and so there's this void that Darth Maul kind of has to fill on mm. his own, and it doesn't
2: work. To be fair, though, like um, they do do some things right with Darth Maul. Like he looks really cool as a villain
1: well and every kid who went to see that film came out probably with face paint yeah exactly and I've, i've got to admit like
2: even though he's not a very good villain he's a good he works in the same way that vader works in that you see vader and you recognize him straight away like you see maul and you recognize him straight away and he did have staying power like um he's in so briefly in that film and he's never in star wars films again but when I was a kid, I knew who Darth Maul yeah, was. Everyone yeah. knew who Darth I, I, Maul was. I've got to say, it yeah. was like, you know, to dual, be fair, he, dual, he is probably... Yeah, he's got He's, the he's, up, the he's
0: up there at the very top in terms of like the most iconic Star Wars characters. Everybody knows who Darth Maul is, I mm. think, really. He's very, very well-remembered. But then you
2: yeah. try and... You look at another villain who appears later on, Count Dooku, who we'll meet in the next film. Um, <laughs> no one <laughs> nobody knows who he is. And he's actually got a bigger role, much bigger role, than um, Darth Maul ever did. Mm. Um, so, yeah, there are... Good things about Darth Maul. Like, doesn't he look just a badass? Um, I don't
3: really understand the point of him as a character, though, because, like, he's only in this movie and then he dies.
2: Well, I know. So, exactly. Like... In the Expanded Universe, which has now been discounted, right. there is a... Um, I think there's a book or... Oh, no, he comes back in... Um, what's it called? In that Star Wars animation. In the Clone
0: Wars. You're going to talk about this. I do not consider this true. I refuse
2: to believe that
0: <laughs> this happened.
1: The Clone well, like Wars isn't canon.
2: People yeah. of Darth Maul... So, I mean, this... Just to touch on a brief point here is that the, the main problem I have with Phantom Menace is that it starts something in Star Wars that just doesn't stop until Disney decides to get rid of the whole expanded universe. Mm. And that there's just, just so much of the expanded universe are like books and comics and f- like th- magazines and fact files. You've got a massive collection of mm-hmm. Star Wars, fact files at home that explains <laughs> every little thing in Star Wars ever, which is worth a lot of money now, but you know, um, no, no longer canon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, like and it starts this trend of turning like every little thing becomes like a Star Wars thing that they push no, out but, the,
0: but you know that's got two sides to it because if you go to see this film and you just love it and you want more you've got more like you know, that that was the thing for me as a kid when i loved this film you know i had access to so much more stuff there was games there was books there was magazines there was all sorts everyone had a story and you, I'm still now. You know, there's still a million things I'll never get to read about with this film because there's just so much stuff. It's got two sides to it. Like if you are a fan, this film is absolutely a dream. Like there's so much stuff that you can go with in this film that you can, you know, read more about or like a p- particular character. Like the cast list is hundreds. But if you,
2: but if if you're just a general viewer who just
0: wants a good film, it's too
2: bloated. Yeah, but if your if your main problem with this film is that they pull back the curtain too wide to show you the workings of the. Jedi and they get rid of all the mystery why would you like the fact no, that know, there's so much expansion
0: t- on that? taking my fan hat off for this, that as a fan I love seeing all the extra stuff, I love you know wondering oh, what's his story, what's that story etc as a film though, it's it shouldn't be that way, it, it, it is too excessive, just objectively looking at it, which is what I'm trying to do um, is, so it's
1: excessive. As part of the expanded universe we meet a race of people and in particular one member of that race of people quite suddenly, <laughs> Um, so, he was your favourite character. Why, why is, ja- <laughs> just just wondering why Jar Jar Binks is your favourite character. I would be very controversial in Star Wars. Just yeah. so oh, really? we can basically listen to what you say and he, then... He
3: adds the humour that RTD2 and C-3PO would if they were in the movie in a more...
1: Significant
2: way. Yeah,
3: in a yeah. better okay.
2: way.
3: Yeah, yeah. Mm. He, he is the kid's character. I, I'm a child. <laughs> Let's <laughs> be honest. Um, no, just... Oh, his mannerisms, and he's just so like, clumsy, and it's great. And he's just adorable.
0: <laughs> in, in the fan circle, Jar Jar is very unpopular, but you I him as bollocks. Well. He's just a I, fun character. I, I love Jar Jar, and I don't care who knows it. It's like coming out the closet. <laughs> yes, I love Jar Jar. Mum, Dad, I like <laughs> Jar Jar. I, just... and it just, I, I think he's the most genuinely nice person, for one thing, that you encounter in this world. Like he just he's he's so likable and helps everyone along the way. He makes friends with people down from slaves up to queens, he just starts talking to them and helping them. He's he adds the humour in a film that really needs it because he's so it's it's such a lifeless film otherwise. It really needs his humour. I think for the time as well, he's a big achievement. Like he directly paved the way for stuff like Gollum and stuff. Like, I think he
2: was the first yeah. big CGI makeup. Yeah,
0: he's, I think for the day, he's very impressive as well. And I never, as a kid, I just never understood how he was done. He just like enraptured me. I was like, wow. Yeah, he was very yeah. impressive when I was the, watching it for
2: the first time as well.
0: I, I just, I just don't really, really, genuinely don't understand the problem people have with Jar I think he's really
2: well, likable.
1: Can you explain couldn't, why he's a bit of a? Problem? I couldn't understand the issue that people have with the Ewoks. No, because Ewoks fit. Because I think the Ewoks sort of, they fit visually. They fit as part of the universe and they have a major role to play in the uh, the plot. I think if you would introduce the Gangans, right? Gungans, right? Oh, Gungans. Gungans. The Gungans. I think if you would introduce the Gungans as a race, then I would have the same feelings about them as I do the Ewoks, where they're an indigenous population of this planet which is at the center of a much larger larger conflict that they never asked to be part of and then at the end of the film the race of Gengans? Gungans. Gungans. <laughs> gungans i can't remember a race of gungans they overthrow a bit of the sort of like the, the iron fist if you will that's trying to basically you know they, they never asked to be part of this conflict they're just a, a race of people who live under the sea in a sea city or whatever but my problem with Jar Jar specifically is that I mean the one of one of one issue I do have with this film that I've not actually mentioned yet is the the tonal whiplash. Yeah. And Jar Jar can use a hell He's a big of a lot of, of that. Yeah. And I think the language that they come up with for his people oh, is that's great. <laughs> uh, oh <I> don't <laughs> know. kids speak, don't yes. oh, quite know. Yeah, <laughs> it's to baby, start baby with talk, it. basically. It's baby talk. And I think I wouldn't mind as such. I mean, after a little bit of the film, it was mainly when they were fixing up Anakin's uh, pod racer. Oh. I started to think, what would this scene be going like if Jar Jar wasn't here? And the scene would not have played out any differently. The scene wouldn't have been there, I don't think, really. The scene, it wouldn't have played out any differently. Jar Jar gets his hand stuck in the turbine, and you think, oh no. But then his hand gets pulled out of the turbine, and everything's fine. And then I started thinking... How would each of the scenes that he's been in go, if he hadn't been there? He's not the main focus of any scene, He's just something that they've kind of put into an empty bit of frame, doing something stupid. Like, there's a a scene where um, somebody, I think it's Padme, is walked from the left-hand side of the screen to the right-hand side of the screen in front of a room full of people. I think it's when Yoda and Mace Windu and that are sat around, and you just see Jar Jar go off in the direction behind the door, walking in his funny walk. And that's kind of how I feel about him throughout the entire film until you get to that point where he has the conversation with Padme. And then he has a purpose. Because he brings the two races together. And that's when I started to turn around. Because I mean, I remember, I mean, I've said to you during the film, this is what it was all building up to. All of those scenes that he was in the corner of apparently were, I mean,. They're not justified, but like they at least I don't I wouldn't get rid of them entirely because he actually becomes important in the last forty five minutes. Yeah. Like the last forty five minutes knows what to do. That the first hour and fifteen or so don't have a clue about
0: No, and and this is what I was trying to get at when I was talking about that scene with um, with Queen Amadala bowing down before the Gungans, which the scene with Jarjo early on set up, is that I feel like all the way through with Jar, Jar being there and with this whole vague plot with Padme and Queen Amidala where she's sort of like finding her feet in the world, I feel like what the film is trying but failing to really get at throughout the whole film is this whole thing of everybody needs to band together, set aside the differences to save Naboo. Like if you were a script editor looking at this film thinking, right, how do we focus this film? That's what it should be about, is different peoples from different backgrounds coming together to save this planet from the bad guy. That's what it should be about. And in the scenes where they're addressing that and you see Jar Jar and Queen Amidala getting to know each other and other things like that where people are, you know, reuniting for their greater good. That's the scenes where it really works. And that's what Jar Jar should be for. But most of the time he's just comic relief. But it doesn't matter to me because I still think he's really funny.
2: But I do think you're right in that it, Jar Jar works so much better when he's actually serving a purpose. I get your point that Jar Jar, without Jar Jar, the film would be very dry, there'd be no humour, there'd be very little going on. But I don't think that that in itself is a reason to have added Jar Jar in the film in the first place. I feel like the fact that without Jar Jar, the film would be very dry um, just shows the problems of the film itself. And I I just don't find Jaja funny, like, at all. It's that. I think it's, it rests on whether you find his, his bumbling Like, R2-D2 and C-3PO, I, I know they're similar in that they were co- sort of comic relief in the first three original They films. kind of have a
1: point from the first second of the first film, to be honest. Yeah,
2: exactly. They have a point to be in there. There's a reason that they're there. Um, they, they, R2-D2 has got a pretty pivotal role to play in that he carries the plans. Yeah. Um, and C three PO is you know a little bit of his tag along, but it makes sense, and they got a good little quip going. And when they have humor, it's humor that um that works with kids, but also works with adults, like a Pixar film. Um, but as to um, Binks isn't humor like a Pixar film; it's just slapstick comedy that just doesn't fit with the rest of the- it. Doesn't yeah, fit but in Star Wars. This universe. is what I'm trying to
0: say. Is that it, it, it doesn't bring it out, but he does serve a wider purpose. He does have a role in the plot, which is that it behind all the slapstick and behind all the comedy, his role in the film is actually he has the power to bring two entire races together, uniquely him. He can do that, but it just never quite
2: expresses that well enough. So he ha- Yeah, he has a plot purpose, but that doesn't make him a good character just because he has a purpose for the plot later on. No, I but it's what you're saying about uh, uh,
0: the difference between him and r is that you know, Jar Jar should be like that. Jar Jar should
1: have an important role in the story. They just never bring it out enough. He's, he's I, I think they do at the end. I think they just about get away with having him in the film because he's able to yeah. bring he, the but two. But even in the end, like his humour's
2: problematic. Like, but um, it is
1: the fact that he is just for the first hour and a bit, which is more than sixty percent of the film. He is basically just there to kind of wobble. And go
2: oh, yeah. time flies. But, but he
1: does that even at the end of the film, like in the battle, where there's that whole sequence of him <laughs> killing those
2: of droids because By he's really clumsy. Falling over, like yeah. yeah, I I get what they're trying to do there, and that they're making him, you know, like funny and that he's clumsy, but right. like, he's still a good character anyway. And it's just, it's just like Rob says, tonally,
1: when you've got that contrasting with the lightsaber battle, which is supposed to be quite emotionally intense. You know, yeah, intense. it's i think i wouldn't have as much of a problem with jar jar if he was on his own in the sense that he is one of a string of cgi characters who look stupid have stupid voices do stupid things and add very little to the scenes that they're in Mm -hmm. and even if they do add something to the scenes that they're in their voices are really distracting like the guy who owns anakin at the start with the wings, oh. what's his name? I, I, oh, I, Watto. I
2: wanted to come to him as well because I think he there's something that we want to talk about as well. Um, he sh- shows a really severe problem of characterisation of certain characters in these films um, in that there are so many characters in this film that are based on very stereotypical aspects of certain races. Yeah, there's no, there's no yeah. doubt. De- I mean, Watto is <laughs> the prime example.
0: Yeah. There's without Watto, Watto. Without getting into the specifics of this, <laughs> I, I think there's no denying that he is an extremely offensive Jewish stereotype of this little shop dealer with this thick accent who just wants money and nothing else.
3: Is that the whole mind tricks don't work on me, only money or yeah. something? <laughs> <Okay>. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and, um... Yeah. There's no there's no defending it. <laughs> um,
2: and the, um, the whole Trade Federation race, which, uh... Um, Quite clearly, supposed to be like Chinese corporate that, what, CEOs. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. They're supposed yeah. to be Chinese like businessmen who have the worst accent and the worst. Yeah. Like, why? What is the need to make them talk like that? Like, yeah. not, there's, not, there isn't any.
3: Like, who are
1: they played by? What, like, no one famous, but are they played by, by Chinese, Chinese people? people?
3: No. Oh, God, well, there nice. we go.
1: Yeah, <laughs> that's I mean, I felt a little bit like that with the uh, Nien Nub. He he didn't talk, but he doesn't talk, he just kind of nods his head and goes, I don't remember him. He was was the one who was sat
0: next to Lando in the battle, and we we mentioned guy. yeah, the monkey looking guy.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, mm, yeah, it's, I mean, and the thing is as well, even without getting into that issue, he's also, there are so many inhabitants of Tatooine where, I mean, this is an issue I had. If we... I mean, it's a bit of an odd reference point to suddenly jump to, but this is a problem I had when watching the Hobbit films compared to the Lord of the Rings films. Like with the Lord of the Rings films, you have the orcs, the urakai. They're people in makeup, and yeah. they look fucking scary. Mm. Like, like if you look at an urakai, it look like it just eat your arm off for just for looking at him. Yeah. Whereas in the Hobbit, they have that weird thing with the hook eye, uh, yeah. hook yeah. hand yeah. chasing them, yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's. Yeah. I mean, yeah, okay, fair enough. That's not in the books anyway, but like. It's just a CGI computer mm. thing. It doesn't look scary. Can't relate to it. If you looked at it, you'd just kind of think, oh, there's a thing that's there with a hook for an eye, it's hand, a arm thing. <laughs> and, and in A New Hope, the inhabitants of Tatooine are all pretty scary because they all look weird because they're all humans in weird costumes. Mm. Like the guy with the, he doesn't like you. I don't like you yeah. either. He's scary because his nose is like mushed and he has an eye missing and stuff. And with this, you have sports commentators with two heads yeah, who go and the crowd goes wild and <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not scary it's not random CGI real it's just it doesn't it's cartoonish it's so cartoonish. cartoonish and so rubbery and baby Greedo as well and Obviously baby Greedo hopping character. about the place for, cause he, just because the he's in A New Hope and oh y- you remember him well here he is Hey, baby Anakin, meet baby Greeno. <laughs> and, yeah, it's... And Jar Jar's just at kind of, like, the centre of that. He is... I mean, yeah, fair enough. I can't hold it too much against the film for Jar Jar not looking great. But then, you know, Jar Jar's at the centre of this where when they're going underwater and they just get attacked by those big fish, why? Why are the big fish there? Well, well, well I mean, you just think some about... Big, there's some big how is, fish and,
0: How is that city made of bubbles standing when there's these fish outside, the size of friggin' cities... That are just little <laughs> boats like them, like little scraps. And then how bigger... is a city stand when there's these monsters
2: that can destroy the world? And then Why not big... try and
0: get them to fight the droids? Yeah.
2: And then an even bigger <laughs> fish will come along and eat that. Yeah, giant. And then <laughs> you
0: get one the size of a friggin' moon that comes along to be <laughs> the one that was
1: there before. And it's just silly. It's just excess.
2: It's
0: needless.
1: Yeah, it's just stuff they could do because they could, and every frame goes <laughs> and <laughs> it comes all the way full circle to the fact that there's just too much stuff in this film that does not need to be there. It's it's so distracting, really distracting, and I think they're kind of doing it on purpose because the story's so dry. Uh, well, that's but, the thing. Like, right, They are sort of doing it on
0: purpose, and can I suggest an upside to it? One place where it does work is that we've moaned in the past about planets being a bit nondescript. Naboo... Yeah, I, I think is it. actually really, really well developed. I love that yeah. you see like a forest, some grassy area, areas, a swamp, yeah. an underwater place, a, town. a city, and you see so you briefly see some normal people and everything and as well. Yeah, I think it feels like a real planet. I mean, it feels like Earth yeah. to be honest. But well, the thing <laughs> it is, feels like a real planet, like a more tropical That's a good example of where you know the bigger technology and the bigger you know authority Judge Lucas has to do stuff works where he should have focused on that. Proper hmm. world building, not yeah. bog
2: monsters, and yeah, but then yeah. you still have Coruscant, the city, the planet made of one giant city. Yeah, I know. You know I know. when he when he wants to make it correctly, and when he wants to
0: work, build the world right, does it really well. He just doesn't always bother to do that. <laughs>
1: I do like Naboo. Naboo looks good. At I mean, yeah. no, you will get to hear more of our opinions about the sequel uh, oh, trilogy goody. later on, because <laughs> Naboo yeah. Naboo does something that. Well, it it tries to do something and slightly stumbles at doing something that The Last Jedi does really well, which is to not necessarily open the universe up and expand it because that's a bit of an issue in this film. I think they do it too much. But in bits where it matters, like with Naboo, the Galactic Center stuff is pointless because there's there's a thousand races there and we get to hear from four of them. Mm -hmm. Why have them there? But with Naboo... You get to learn about the planet, and you get to learn about the indigenous populations and the tribes and the species and the environments and the fact that there's an underwater city there and stuff like that. And it's not just I mean, Naboo City; it's also Naboo City and the place where Jar Jar Binks lives and Boss Nass and and like. So it introduces this idea of collateral,
4: mm-hmm.
1: that there are other people at stake. It's not just about. I mean okay, the fact that you have Anakin Skywalker in there kind of undermines that a little bit, which is why I would say that it stumbles, but it at least introduces this idea that in this world where there are, and I think it tries with the politics angle too, it's just a bit excessive when it comes to the Galactic Senate, if the Galactic Senate had been a bit smaller, maybe, that there are people in this world who ultimately get affected by the... Mm big battles that we see with darth vader and luke skywalker and stuff and then in this film darth maul and the trade federation or whatever they're called and you know the the real lives are at stake and naboo at least gets close to fulfilling that kind of Mm. i mean it tries it it Uh, does it does at least try so i can forgive it a hell of a lot
2: I do agree with just you. Like that the regard. good thing about Phantom Menace is that after watching the prequel trilogy and then watching all the other films, constantly through the original films, a lot of the time I'm thinking, Mm, I wonder what the people on the are doing right now. <laughs> well, you know, when I when I always suggested my number one
0: change I would have made to the prequel trilogy, and I think it would just make it work. It would fill in that gap with it where it almost does it, but not quite. You're just making Naboo boo older and and then it has a connection to the original trilogy, yeah. you see how it ends up for them. You, it actually and reinforces of emotional the original trilogy, because born. then yeah, it's suddenly so much worse when you see it get blown up in A New Hope. Yeah. And then you've got this connection to... When you watch Phantom Menace, you're like, oh, so that's Alderan. so this is what they were like. It opens up one of those avenues that comes from the original trilogy. And it would have made a lot more lay as character yeah. as well. Yeah, and reasons. it would have just made it yeah. click. And just and made it
1: click. You should have done that. <laughs> as, again... I mean, I like asking you tech questions as someone who's, like, sort of basically new to the whole thing, but how did the the way that Naboo looks, how did you find it compared to the way that, say, Mos Eisley looks on...
3: Remind me which one Mos Eisley is.
1: You know, the Tatooine town. The, the of dusty... Oh, oh kind ta- of okay,
3: Tatooine. Compa- um,
1: like, when you first went into Mos Eisley compared to how you go into Naboo, do you feel like... I mean, I know they're completely different environments, but which one felt more not lived in necessarily because I think the fact that Mos Isley is mostly just real props and stuff, but which one felt more alive to you?
3: Oh, definitely, um, Nibu. Cool, yeah, swamps and plants. And I, agree. Yeah, I agree, yeah, I
1: agree. I think it gets it totally yeah. right. This, Nibu. there are aspects of the improved um technology and stuff that actually kind of benefit this, yeah, film.
2: yeah. It, it makes it makes the universe
1: feel more alive yeah. because
2: of this stuff they can do with the technology, I do agree, yeah.
1: And it also if I mean, again, mastering these segues, it also really improves the last half an hour because you don't have to You know when we were watching a New Hope and the ships were flying over the Death Star and you were like, okay, that's really obviously like a miniature model and whereas with this it takes you out of it a little
2: bit, doesn't it? Yeah, it takes
1: you out of a tiny bit, but whereas with this The last half an hour, the technology, it fits. I think everything fits. It makes it look like it's very much in space the whole time. They keep those four strands, as we established before, they keep them all separate, and yet they all push towards the same vanishing point. That's... I like that. And, yeah, okay, there's a couple of ropey bits, like the (laughs) extreme window cleaning service grapples, but, like... (laughs) Yeah, that was quite funny, that. yeah. But, no, I, I think and it, you, there are bits where the technology really improves. I think the last and half hour that
2: point, really you really do curve for Naboo and the people on it and the planet on it, because you've seen a lot yeah, of it. Yeah, you've Because Padme is my favourite character as well, in there. you do, you know, you want Naboo to get through it. So, you know, there is a sense of, like, mm. um, as if Naboo is the protagonist almost, you know, mm. like the people of Naboo are the protagonist, so to speak, you know. Um, you're rooting for them and you want the battle to be
1: one for them. I mm. have a question for Noah, actually. Now that you've seen of the Star Wars films which is if you can remember them all that clearly
4: mm-hmm.
1: which is your least favorite kind of last half hour epic battle kind of
4: Ooh.
1: you've got <laughs> that's a really tough one <laughs> no,
2: the, the, the new hope for the last half an hour is the um, death star basically the death the star death battle star and attack. blowing it up
3: oh with yeah with Luke the empire strikes back him? for the last yeah, half the... an hour
2: is I am your father Cloud City the, where they're escaping okay. yeah. and that's Han and Kavanagh you got um, Return of the Jedi where the last half an hour is the big battle where everything gets destroyed and you got the Emperor on the, the throne, throne yes. room david yeah. yeah. No know throwing him over um,
1: and then you've got this. this last half hour
3: I'd say either five or six
1: be your least favourite. Oh, my most. My oh, your only most your favorite. most. So, least favourite.
3: Probably a New Hope.
1: See, this is demonstrating the strengths of the last half hour of this film because, I mean, not to give anything away for rankings, but you are going to rank this as like a clear worst film so yeah. far of the four. Yeah. But the last <laughs> half hour.
2: <laughs> no surprises there
1: yeah, But the thing is, like, but the last half hour, you do have to sit and think whether it's as good as. The other, as Episodes 4, 5, and 6, you do have to sit and think, is, is the last half hour, does it stand up to the other last half hours of the, the yeah. original trilogy? And I, I think I think it does. Do you? Um, yeah, like, I, I think but, but... that's the kind of worms. It depends what you're looking for,
2: really. I, I get what you mean about like Naboo's this whole awesome world, and it feels really alive, and all this planet and it does enhance the feel of the battle and stuff like that. But the main characters going on in the last half an hour, like that big lightsaber battle is quite clearly supposed to be the piece de resistance of the film and the big battle of the film, mm-hmm. as well as the big battle going on the battlefield below um, in, in
1: in Naboo on field. I should maybe qualify this by saying that if you viewed them all in isolation and didn't know about because i mean we said before the best thing about the spectacles in 4 5 and 6 is how much character goes into yeah. big action sequences and there's very, there's little in there's a lot less in terms of character going into the last half an hour of a phantom menace as there is in a new hope empire strikes back and return of the jedi because there's very few characters in phantom menace i mean yeah, there are a lot which, of characters but yeah, there's very few which means that character the last yeah. 30 minutes yeah. Of, on a character level, the last 30 minutes of the original trilogy films are all—they're more profound and more tense and there's more at stake, whereas with this, there's a, a little bit less of that. But just purely on a spectacle, you know, managing to hold the spectacle up, actually managing to deliver pretty visually and... I'm not quite
2: sure I'll do the other term, e- but like, like even visually, I don't even think Long Stop is that impressive. Like there's so oh, make... it is For the, this no, is no, the, no, no, a no, huge step. I'm not, not talking I'm not talking about technology, I'm talking purely about direction here. Oh okay. Like the yeah, obviously the computer generation is so much better than it was in the previous films, but I don't think the better looking films as a result. Like if you look at the last um, if you look at um, Empire Strikes Back, for example, that whole scene, they've got the colorization, they've got going on with Darth Vader and the lightsaber battle yeah. with Luke. The, yeah. the shots that they've got going on. There's none of that in the last half hour of Phantom Menace. You've just got shot after shot of playing, flying the wall camera, watching people do some fighting. And, and that CGI yeah. people. That's it. There's no artistic direction. There's no cool colourisation. Um, you've got some good costumes. Um and I do quite like the red overlay, which I think is probably accidental of those red force field lasers that mm-hmm. um, you know make the whole thing look red and stuff. And it's, but there's no there's no artistry in the last half an hour. No, there That is true, and it just makes it feel less like a Star Wars film as a result. Yeah, and it, I'm, I'm gonna
0: add in my own thing that it's not just that; it's that also. In five and six, like Noah says, I think for me the reason why five and six are so much more memorable in their endings is that, as much as I care about Naboo, and as much as I've got drawn into the film, I don't care that much in that you know in episode five, Luke and Han and Leia are in such dire, serious trouble. Oh yeah. Where you know you're really properly invested in how are they going to get out of this, and in episode six as well, it's like the entire history of the galaxy is hanging <laughs> on a thread. So, you know, you, you feel like the Emperor might actually kill Luke and win. And then, in this one, I never really... I mean, it's a prequel, so you know that Obi-Wan and Anakin, for starters, are not in any danger at all. Yeah. Um, the draw, yeah. Even other than that, though, you're not, you don't ever really think that Naboo will lose. Not really.
2: Well, you, I mean, you know that Qui-Gon is not in the original trilogy anyway, so at some point he's going to go. So there's yeah. no tension there. Um, all the tension in the battlefield on Naboo is lost, because... Because of the nature of Jar Jar and the Gungans, they're like, oh no, we've lost, let's just put our hands up. Whoopsie, we've lost because this Because he's the comic relief character, you know he's not going to get killed. Yeah, they're going to win. Yeah. and yeah. It's like, there's, there's no, like, in the same way in the Battle of Endor, you feel like characters might die and there's a real thing at stake there. Um, the, At some point, the Gungans do lose the Battle on Naboo, but it doesn't, it doesn't matter because they don't care. They just put their hands up and say, like, oh, we give up, silly droids, we've lost this battle, oh no. Because that whole battle has been a piece of comic relief for Jar Jar to be a little bit silly and so it's just made it feel like there's no tension in that battle at all and there isn't any tension in that battle.
0: Well it's ultimately as a story it's disconnected as well isn't it? It's all about saving this one planet that we've never seen before. It's not anything to do with the whole light side versus dark side, rebellion versus empire. It's entirely disconnected. There's no obvious link to anything else. Yeah it doesn't change anything. It it all depends on how much you're into this film. If you're not that connected to this film you're not really going to care about how it ends. Whereas with Return of the Jedi, I don't particularly enjoy the first half. But the second half of it is getting to you know the really serious stuff. So it pulls me straight in. With this film, it's completely isolated and you just have to accept that. And if you don't want it
1: to be isolated, it doesn't work for you. Well then, I think basically because I have essentially agreed with everything that all of you have said.
3: <laughs> thank you. <laughs> I will
1: slightly retract it, but I will defend my original point by saying that the la- maybe I have such high sort of estimations of this final half an hour because it's the only bit in the entire film <laughs> yeah. that feels Just, like a Star Wars film. The rest film. is a yeah. slog. And yeah. I think the music has a lot to do with that. Yeah, pod racing feels a bit like a Star Wars The film. pod racing bit was cool. I liked that. I think I actually noted down, uh, pod race itself shows that Lucas can still pull off like a race chase scene. Commentators puncture the atmosphere occasionally, but the tension, like it builds really good. And it's also a really ambitious move to make it so long and make it so entertaining. Because by the time they go round for the second lap, you go, oh, right, there's another bit of this, is there? And there? But then, you, you, by the end of it, you're not kind of sat there weary. And like, they, they don't ugh. show the same bits of lap every time they go around the three times.
2: They always show different segments The only segments one
1: they showed was the bit where the sound yeah. people yeah. tried to shoot, but that's essentially making the point that they were entering the shooting range. Because we've not really spoken about him so far, I'd like to um, talk about Anakin. Okay, what's the sock about? Can making.
0: I? Well, I'm, I'm gonna draw a line. Just generally we how we feel. I think it's unfair because I know Jake is gonna start going on about how <laughs> shitty he is. As Yippee! An and can I say he, the actor is nine years old? Can we not rip into his acting? It's, it's not. It's not. It's not fair. And yeah. how can you know? How Jake can any, any child lie. actor be given a line like now this is pod racing and do anything good with it? it's the script that (laughs) is the problem it fundamentally is the script that is the problem yeah but
2: when a script is that bad it ruins both the character and the dialogue like everything's ruined so you know yeah uh, yeah, I agree all that I'm saying is that it's not the actor's fault maybe the kid isn't such a bad actor but you know I I, I work with what I've got I can see that he's just he's an annoying little shit (laughs) that's what he is other kind of child actors could have done it better but that's ultimately not the problem no, no, no.
0: what not. did you think do you not. think of Anakin? I
3: quite liked him as a character. Um he's got the innocence that you obviously wouldn't expect but then you would expect because he's a kid. Yeah. You we know he's going to go on to be Darth Vader. Yeah, like, it's, 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 it's weird to bad. think of him, yeah. to think of him as a child like having seen him as Darth Vader because it's like oh yeah he was well, a kid I, once, you know.
0: I think they don't suggest enough Darth Vaderiness in him. There's no real no. there's no scenes anywhere where he suggests the Vader side. He's
1: recites. a bit
3: well, bratty he's a bit the, colder. There's the bit where Yoda tells him that fear will lead to... Hatred. Yeah. Well, that's yeah, that's force. That.
2: That's Yoda, like, literally seeing sensing
1: into the, future the scene yeah. and into the future and seeing fear in him. That's, like... There's a couple there's of nods to of the fact yeah, that he yeah. becomes yeah. Vader, but in his character, I mean, it's again, it's like, scripts a bit shit and he's nine years old. How I'm not sure how much of the Vader nuance, should we call it, is mm. actually, like... I'm yeah. not sure how much he well, I in... When I watched them all
0: for the first time, my first experience of the I Am Your Father reveal was after I'd seen this. This was the first film I'd seen, so Anakin was just a character, and Darth Vader was a separate one. And then when that reveal happened, it blew my mind, mainly because I just could not square that circle in my head. I couldn't see any possible way that Anakin could be Darth Vader. And I think... I still believe that. I don't... I cannot see... Just from this film on its own, I cannot see how that little kid is Darth
2: Vader. It's just inconceivable. It's difficult, like because of how evil Darth Vader is, it's difficult to see how any kid could be Darth Vader, because kids are supposed to be innocent. And I guess I see the point that George Lucas is trying to do. He's trying to see Darth Vader growing from, you know, he was a good person originally, and he became a bad person, but then he became good again, so it was all okay. I I get what they're trying to do. But given that the, the length of time that spans films four, five, and six... And then the massive gaps that there are between one, two, and three. There's no reason to see him as a child. They should have just had Anakin as a Jedi Knight yeah, in Episode I think it's One. It's a bad idea to go Being training as a Jedi Knight and had him look the same in the same way that the original three, Han, Luke, and Leia, look very similar all the way through the film and are consistent. You could, should have just done the same with the original three because you'll see when we move on to the next two films. How far into the future are
3: the next few films? Big jumps, massive jump
2: between Phantom Menace and um, Attack of the Clones. Mm -hmm. And and then another small jump. I I can tell you that the
0: actor who plays Anakin does not come back because the next one is 10 years later, so he's 19 years old. So they
2: can't use him again, so it's. Yeah. So it's just. There's no reason to have that big of a time jump. They should have just had him as a 19 year old at the very start. I think, yeah, I just think. As, a, as you say, there's there's no reason to go back this
0: far because we get the idea that he was a good guy and then became Darth Vader. It's like... Because, because as you say, he's, he's a little kid and although, as I'm saying, I'm going back on my own point here because I was saying, oh, they should have shown a bit more of how he could have been darker, but then you're right. He's a little, really little kid. He's nine years old how much can you really do with it? It reminds me of, there was this joke on there, we're watching the show Kong on Britain at the moment and she's telling the history of Britain Mm. and she starts with the Big Bang. So we don't need to go back that far. And that's what it's like with this. Well, I don't need to see him like, I mean, are you going to show him like in the womb? Like, like, I don't need to see him back this
2: far. It's like George, I get that he
0: turned back. George Lucas is
2: trying to make this point point that Darth Vader Um, He's a real evil guy, and he's a real evil, But he used to be a kid once. And you know what? We don't need to see that. Yeah. I mean, he's a person. We know he used to be but, a child but, once. It, it, because but, everyone used to be a child once. Or how about like. Do it for a few scenes and then jump forward in time. Or, or like even, yeah. doing a lot of films, even just mention you know. something about his childhood when it, like, because he does mention things about his childhood in the next couple yeah, exactly. of films. Like, exactly. you don't need to
1: explicitly show him as a child. We know that people yeah. start off as children. You don't need to. It, or just don't spend 45 minutes on Tatooine yeah. in this film. Maybe have <laughs> I mean, time I mean, jump not, in the middle of this one. Ha-
0: has it added to, you know, the character for you? Seeing him as a kid, has it added to Not it?
3: very much, no. It's literally just the fact that he was. And two separate one. characters, I and built three PO, yeah. I suppose. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a weird bit that I feel like doesn't make sense at all.
0: But can I say, by the way, that I, I genuinely think I've got I've got a better idea for it than George Lucas did, <laughs> which is that in in the film R two comes from Padme's world, and three PO comes from Anakin's world. Surely this droid that's designed for protocol and etiquette should be with a queen. And a droid that's made to, like, tinker and do mechanics should come from the kid who tinkers and does mechanics. Yeah. Surely it makes more sense for Anakin to have built R2 and 3PO to be this accompaniment to a R2 R2
2: to just be the
0: household droid. And then they naturally would have met because they're, you know, in each other's entourage. Yeah, that uh, It's one a of, of many yeah. examples in this film
1: of where they just don't take the easier route. That was... Um, their little meeting, actually, 3PO and R2's meeting, was quite nice. Yeah. That that was one of the bits where I actually thought that, um, I mean, it didn't enhance... That's. The, I mean, that's the thing. If a film, whether it's a prequel or a sequel, if something comes after an original film in our real world, in time, it has to enhance it in some way. Mm. And I think that's the only scene that even gets... I mean, and the only scene that even gets close to going, ha! Huh, the originals. Mm. Weren't they lovely? You know, just, and I suppose uh, Ewan McGregor doing his best Alec Guinness impression. I think Ewan yeah.
2: McGregor's pretty good as Obi-Wan. I mean, he doesn't get much to do in this Genuine one, no, not class. Really.
0: Ewan,
2: yeah. <laughs> Ewan McGregor, I mean, he shines in episode 3. Like, he's, he's basically, he is Obi-Wan yeah, in episode 3. That. But at this point, now he is a bit nah. Um, but yeah, I completely agree. Watching C three P on R two D to meet it's sort of like watching um, an old gay couple meet for the first time
1: in, <laughs> in the past. You know, it's, yeah. that, it's quite charming, really.
4: Yeah, yeah.
1: I think um, just more on um, actually uh, you and McGregor Obi wan I liked the very deliberate parallel that they did with Obi wan watching Qui Gon die. It, that is just such an obvious callback to Luke I know, watching I mean, Obi-Wan die. Do you not die. feel
2: it f- feels a little bit too far? Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, it was yeah, so yeah. on the nose, yeah, but like, I totally. did
1: kind of go, okay, fair enough, you've made that effort on a character yeah. level, then fair enough, but it, 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 it was just the way that they trapped him behind the doors that apparently now control themselves. Like, at, at first, they don't, and then the doors... I think do they're on a timer. Yeah, they're on some yeah. kind of... I was going to say, like
2: um, the, the first time the doors open, like, um, before the door's open, a couple of seconds before, um, Obi-Wan lights his lightsaber up as
0: if he, he knows it. the doors he open. It's about to open. Yeah, Is that what's happening it. there? Because then like... something
1: does twiz and then it goes... And then there's a I door. Guess, and... yeah, but... yeah. The Force can sense yeah. when doors open and
2: close now. <laughs> That's well, the well, the thing can do. While we're talking about 3PO and R2 and Obi-Wan
0: and stuff, I want to ask you now. The question that we sometimes ask, is particularly interesting in this one, is... Where do you see this going in terms of how it hooks up to the original trilogy? Are, are you seeing any kind of oh that's how that's going to happen things here, or is sure. it still is it still a mystery from to you? Of how movie, it links no,
3: up? no, not really. Just Anakin somehow turns bad, but that's it. Mm. I assume he'll he'll well he'll get training from Obi Wan, and that will go wrong.
0: One specific What's thing, because sort of I just want to be careful in what I say about right. it. <laughs> about the Emperor. Do you have any kind of? Thoughts on how the emperor figures into all this?
3: Does does he steal Anakin? <laughs> I'm not gonna say, I'm not gonna say
0: anything. I'm just gonna see what maybe you might have gleaned from Kidnaps that.
3: Kidnaps him or something? I don't know. Okay, that's but maybe he finds out that the the force is really strong with him because obviously he's got more of these. What are they called? Midi chlorians. <laughs> he's got more than Yoda. By the so... way,
2: <laughs> midi never mentioned again.
3: Oh really?
0: Who who are who in this room liked the Medichlorians reveal? I've no, raised my hand. No one. I could have asked that question to the world at large and got the same answer. There's, there's one only thing that the entire Star Wars fandom agrees on, which is that Medichlorians are the worst idea ever. It's just. Oh. Yeah, and you know, again. You'll never hear about that again. Another anyway. good thing about Last Jedi is that it just completely wipes that away. Yes. Well, it actively opposes that idea yeah. that it's all
1: biological. It completely goes against it. Yeah. Yeah. It brings mysticism back to it. The only... Yeah. And where I recognised... I've figured out in my head where I recognised the word midichlorians from. And it's because midichlorians are referenced in a, a Captain Murphy song. <laughs> the line is, 29,000 midichlorians said so. Or something <laughs> like
2: that. I think... the, the And the very clearly supposed to be a biological thing because they sound a little bit like mitochondria or something like that which are passed yeah, yeah. time really and, yeah. and, and, and like the whole
3: symbiotic relationship and yeah. stuff like, that. like it
2: just... the thing is I know it's a ceiling
0: into your field now I think they didn't need explain this and stuff but it actually also is a bigger point that damages the films I think which is that it suggests its idea that it's a genetic lottery and that you are born if you are born with a certain surname it's you are stronger destiny. with the force you are chosen yeah. like Luke never had anything special about him he was just born to this guy who had loads of Middaglorians, so <laughs> he was really strong with the Force, and that's a terrible thing to do to the films. It makes Luke seem
2: not special. Yeah, it, t- it turns the Force into something that you pass on through generations. Yeah. Only people with a high chlorian count can be strong in the Force. <laughs> and it's like, d- d- now Ray from um, Force Awakens on Last Jedi, it's, it's now all, now because I know chlorians are canon because they're in a film, and it's <laughs> like, does she have a really high chlorian count? Is that why she's so good with the Force? It, it just... So it ruins, it does, like, a lot of what Phantom Menace does, it just ruins a lot of the mysticism of what happens. In... And, and that's something I want to ask you, know, as well, is um, about Luke and Leia being
0: born. Like, any idea on how that oh, comes how about that happen, in the yeah. plot? Because like... we know,
2: obviously, Anakin's a father. I don't yeah. mean physically how it comes about, I get that, <laughs> but, you know. Like, like you know, there are big time jumps, so... It, it, for all we know, this could be any character in the future that we've not met yet. Yeah. But do you have any feelings about what what you think might happen, how, where they come from?
3: What, like who their parents are. Yeah,
2: so. we know who Anakin is. So yeah.
0: Know? I, I kind
3: of want to say Padme. It's like, what, it's, Luke's mum maybe. she's the only possible candidate. Yeah, at least,
0: it feels a little. It, goes.
2: it feels a little bit weird, though, doesn't it? Because um, He's so much older did, than. Exactly. He, um, did, did yeah. did he, it's like they're trying to force something that just. Yeah, yeah. I
3: mean, did really you think weird.
2: they were suggesting that in this film? Suggesting
0: at the go,
3: start, yeah, because yeah. when well, when Anakin first met her, he was like, "You look like an angel an or something." Angel? Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> like, what <a> <laughs> also, what is
2: it with this whole Jesus parable going on? Like, oh, um, no. Shmi, who's Anakin's mom. Is um, the Virgin Mary. He's the basically. Virgin Mary, apparently. Yeah. Never oh yes, Space Who is the chosen one? <laughs> like what? <laughs>
1: yeah. Although I did like her line about um, you can't stop the suns from setting. I thought that was quite a nice. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Let's talk. Uh, I I think Shmee is.
0: It's not even so much about the actress. I mean, she. I think she does a really good job, the actress. But I think she is the most believable character in the film because she's the most normal character in the film. Yeah. She's a mum, who has to make the right decision for her son. And yeah. as she as, is and very, very believable. Is, she's the only character who gets very good dialogue, I think, as well, unless she just talks yeah. the way you would talk mm-hmm. to your son. And it's the only line I really My heart really goes out her when she has to let him go and she pushes him off at the end. And you've got to think... And it's a really good scene. How
2: desperate is her situation and how much possible she they live in that yeah. she's willing to give her son, who's the only other person that she can connect with on this planet, to these random strangers that she met like, a day ago. Yeah. I know. I
0: know.
1: Yeah, so...
0: I'm just gonna I mean, check
1: it to see if I had anything else I want to talk about. Yeah, yeah, that's
0: well, that's what this bit's for. I, I, did, I did have one other thing I wanted to say as well, and I think because we've been quite negative, very fairly, we've been quite negative, but I think there is an overall positive of the whole film, which is that it would have been so easy to just cave into everything the fans wanted and deliver like another episode four and deliver another kind of swashbuckle and space opera like that. Like and I actually, think, although it's although it's quite jarring and not nice that it's so yeah, different to what you're to make I think it, yeah. you've got to praise the ambition and the passion that George Lucas had for this in that he just made whatever film he wanted didn't care what anybody else thought he made the film he wanted to make and it's really like um, ambitious it takes in a lot of locations yes. and ideas and characters that didn't need to be in it I think although it's excessive I think considering. You get franchise entries and other franchises now that is just like, you know, cash in, do a do a rehash. I think to put this
2: this much original thought into a prequel is worthy of praise. I don't think I don't think you praise in the film now, I think you're damning the film. I think you're criticising the film because it's just clear that George Lucas is out of control in this film. Yeah, but that I he's do got think complete creative control, no one's there to say no to him, and he just puts whatever it's he d- wants in the film. There's two sides of the same coin. Yes, it
0: is a bad thing that he's out of creative control. But it is also a good thing, I think, that, I he, that he is at least investing some kind of creativity I, into I, it. And I, it's not just rehashing.
2: What do you, what do you think? Yeah, you I agree. Can, yeah. Yeah. Get, you can give an A for effort. It's at least putting earnest. a lot of thought into it, but so what? Like, let's just call it that
0: then, yeah. A for effort. I think, I think you can't deny that George Lucas put his heart and soul into it, and I think that deserves praise. No, I don't think it does. So uh, I'm going to... Th- yeah, it's, it it it's, it's earnest,
1: and it has a good... I mean, this is kind of... I guess we're getting to our general thoughts again here, so... Should we just go around the table? That's yeah, with the numbers. So like we always start with yeah. yeah
0: it, and the, I think maybe. we're gonna need to recap on what we've been given at all because
1: we're getting quite. You made a
0: list, well, list I of points going now, are not we? Yeah. I'm just
1: gonna get the notepad from the other side of the room. Mull <laughs> over your points and baked <laughs> potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I made a point to write this down. <laughs> so who wants so to start? Far, Anyone? Any volunteers? Well, to Jake start? Jake usually goes first. Well, what was my previous edition. So Jake, you gave a New Hope seven. Uh, Empire Strikes Back in eight, Return of the Jedi in eight. What's your reward for this one? On my scale of five baked potatoes, <laughs> I will give this
2: two baked potatoes. So that's a four. A full.
4: Okay.
2: Okay. Do you want to do you want to give some overall an overall review? Um, not the worst Star Wars film. There are some elements of this film I like. The pod racing shows that there can can still be narrative structure in Star Wars. Um, That builds tension. The rest of the film does not. Uh, Sort of like Padme. Sort of like the lightsaber battle at the end. Sort of like how much they build on Naboo. um, Sort of like the politics. Don't like pretty much anything else about the film. Fair enough. Yeah? (laughs) Big... Too big potatoes. it's not it's not <laughs> it's not a dreadful film it's in some areas it's a good film in most areas it's a very mediocre film in a lot of areas it's just downright bad there's just no narrative structure Nothing's, nothing matters in the film there's no tension except for in the pod race um and some bits are just downright racist <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's 10. a note to end it on. <laughs> yeah. No,
3: um, one.
1: so what about you? Now?
3: Um, I'd give it a five out of ten. Um, like basically what Jake said. To be honest, it, it's lower than all the other ones. Um, but I don't have the heart to give it a four. So, <laughs> yeah.
1: Rob, um, I'm settling on a five out of ten. I think I appreciate that. Just as you said at the end there, that. It's at least an earnest effort, but there are so many distractions. There are so many unnecessary law changes. There are so many unnecessary side characters, ventures into CGI, make it updating the technology when it's going to have to be backdated and taken back in time for the era. It does it does less to enhance the prequels and actually does quite a lot to make you question why the decisions they made were made like you begin to compare them to the prequels not just in quality but in terms of what actually exists in the universe and you think this is not going the right way i think the last half an hour is really good i should qualify i do think the last half an hour of this film is my least favorite last half an hour so far of all the other films but it did at least feel like it did at least feel like a Star Wars film for those last 30 minutes, and I think that just rescued it from being like a solid 4 out of 10. Like, I don't like Jar Jar Binks as a character. I didn't see the problem with the Ewoks because I think from the moment they were introduced, they do serve a point plot-wise. Maybe if you exclude the C-3PO scene with the floating chair. But (laughs) with Jar Jar Binks, it's an hour and 10, 15 minutes of watching something... Yeah, watching something that flops around, walks a bit silly, says silly things, gets in the way, is in the corner of scenes rather than in the centre of scenes because they don't really know what to do with him in terms of moving the plot forward until the race that he belongs to becomes a main device. Um, Although I did like the fact that it opened up a larger universe it opened it up too much and it gave us too much stuff that we don't need to care about and it's essentially it, george lucas he, he lost control at some point and he went he went to a point of no return where i think if his and i do think it's quite telling that this this was his first film that he directed in, for a while wasn't it it's the first film he's directed since the new hope yeah. But I am I'm I'm settling in on a five because, yeah, it's not like I hated it. I don't think it's as bad as some people would have you believe that it is. But the first hour and sort of like an hour and a half is not enjoyable. Full yeah. of too much. Just it is just just it's overload. I know it's just overload of stuff that doesn't matter, mixed with pretty dry dialogue, mixed with forty five minutes on a plot line that was fine. Just sort of at the a basic level. Just fine. Like the stuff on Tatooine. Like it was supposed to be a brief visit and we end up spending so long there. And yeah. So And I've already
2: said my piece as well, but Rob just touched on something I really quickly want to mention is that um we are talking about the whole it ruins a mystery of um stuff like the force and the Jedi and um, I know it's a separate entity and this film is completely separate and you can box it off and pretend it doesn't exist if you want to but there's no escaping that this film adds things to the lore of Star Wars that do sort of ruin things in and the you original can't trilogy and yeah. you can't ignore them and I know we've had this yeah. good about this before that you know well it doesn't affect you know technically it doesn't affect the quality of the original films and the original films are still great mm-hmm. But it does it does make them feel starts yeah, tampering with stuff it just makes them feel a little bit wetter because of all of the stupid I, I, shit that
0: happens well again my biggest example of that is Anakin building 3PO there's a scene where Han is being put into carbonite and Vader stood next to 3PO and I just every time yeah, I see them, them it- stood next to each other that I just think you would know why is this would, not being yeah. addressed? Why, like, although to be fair, we how do, would how would three PO react if he knew that was Anakin? I mean, it's just it's distracting. It we do see do there are
1: other protocol
2: called Like at the very start of the film, there's that silver protocol called I know, but MCMP, still, still hmm. so you, Darth Vader you, might you, not. You'd notice. know
0: three PO when you encountered
2: yeah. him, wouldn't you? Uh, what about yourself? Then, <laughs> uh,
0: I mean, it's so hard because ta-da, ta-da. This, this is this <laughs> is this is the hardest one of all of them because you know the, of the hours I spent as a child. Either watching this film, or you know, playing with, playing with toys, or reenacting, you do it, coloring in one. books, or whatever. It's uh, oh for god the it's beyond counting the, like how much time I spent enjoying this film as a kid, and you know it got me into Star Wars in general. You know, which is something I absolutely adore, even to this day, twenty years later. So I can't possibly call this film bad if it's done that. You know to my life,
1: basically. <laughs> well, um, we can allow you to give it two scores, one no, 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 with no, no, your sentimental. One no. no, with your fan no, hat no, on, one on yeah. if it. Was it
3: if, the thing
0: is, if it was to give it a sentimental score, it'd be a 10, but I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that because <laughs> I'm trying to look at these more objectively. That's the point of this, I think. I, I, I think it must be, at least for a child audience, pretty good if it can awaken that kind of passion for the franchise in me, but I cannot deny it has serious problems uh, in terms of the script, especially in terms of you know how it isn't really anything like the original trilogy for most of it. Um, when, it when it's standalone, it used to be my ultimate film that I would watch when I was off ill for whatever reason not just because it brought back memories, but because I think it's just a very decent standalone film to just enjoy and feel happy like there's no dark stuff in it at all, it's just an <laughs> enjoyable popcorn film. But it doesn't hold up to any kind of scrutiny, as we've proved here. There's just so much to say that's just the, that Judge Lucas just did wrong or that could have been done better. So I have to balance it out. And I can't, I can't go on to the bad side of all because I always loved it so much, but I'm going to have to give it a six. Ugh, that's what yeah, I'm telling you. And that's hard. That's hard for me to do. <laughs> you put it on the upper end. And I can and tell you, upper. I can tell you, <laughs> it's not my least favourite one by a long chalk.
3: Can I take oh. a guess and say episode two is your least favourite? You I can, been told lots but I can't confirm,
1: things things but I can't confirm <laughs> it. <laughs> Hashtag spoilers. So we'll be back with uh, Attack of the Clones. Oh God. Yeah, if we survive. <laughs> oh, I'm sure we'll be fine. We're not involved in the Clone Wars, so it's... You know, and Robert gets to do the hosting for that one, which I'm yeah, sure I he's going to absolutely love. Yeah, why not? I get I always to the, um, <laughs> things. the kind of
2: film where we want to gnaw each other's arms off. <laughs> halfway through because we need some sort of stimulus
1: and I'll make sure to eat before we watch it so that we don't delay the podcast for 20 minutes after we watch the film because I had to cook things but never mind mm. Um. so yeah just think of it this way we're a third of the way through the prequels I think we're almost yeah. halfway through
0: the whole thing and Revenge
2: now. is by no stretch of bad film so you know we've got one to enjoy
1: after Attack of the Clones*. I yes. don't
2: think of it that
0: we've got so many films to enjoy and and we've Han's got these conversations <laughs> to enjoy that's what it's all yeah, about true, it? right? just as a quick
1: thing um, at the end we might as well make the announcement that we are going to do a little special episode for um, the Han Solo film that's coming out in May um, we weren't planning on doing it, we were planning on waiting until we'd watched through them all and then maybe watch it separately at the end but no I think you would know enough now by the time it comes out to we'll have we'll finished the prequels
0: by then Yeah. so, so yeah, yeah. And plus, I think we can't can't miss the opportunity of a Star Wars film coming out while we're doing this. Exactly, and (laughs) going to talk
1: about it. Yeah, I mean, that'll be around mid-June, but... You mean a Star Wars story. We decided it today. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, we'll see you then. Yeah. Next time, probably in two weeks. See you later. Bye. (laughs)